All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite casual Hoya basketball podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Bancroft, and we are coming to you on Syracuse game Eve Eve. Georgetown last night defeated the mighty UMBC Retrievers to even the record at 4-4 four and four, heading into the big Syracuse game this weekend. You knew we had to have a Kente Corner before Syracuse. We haven't had a couple very recently, but we had to get some of the gang back, and I got Florida Hoya John Hawks to join me. We haven't talked to John, I don't think, since probably the summer, maybe before, maybe since last March. John, what's up, man? Hey, Bobby, how's it going? How are the kids doing? Well, that's the reason that we are recording maybe a little bit later than you'd like to. I had to get the dogs walked, the kids in bed. A lot going on over here at Kente Corner headquarters, but we're all ready now. Georgetown basketball. Uh, before we start on Georgetown basketball, I think we'd be remiss uh, to not mention the James Madison Dukes and their their big win the other night over UVA. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I was at George Mason, George Mason Navy, and I had stat broadcast up, and I was living and dying with that score because JMU got up pretty good. They were up, you know, I mean, I think at halftime it was 24-14, which sounds like a football score, and they don't have a football coach right now at UVA. And you just knew UVA was going to just find a way to – you know, get back and win the game like 45, 46 or, you know, whatever. And uh, they didn't. JMU held on. I can't wait to get that to, to get to that arena. I hope one day Georgetown gets down there. I've seen, I don't know if you were there. I think you might've been, but I was down there the last time Georgetown visited Harrisonburg, the 2005, six season, right in the beginning. So hopefully we can all get down there. Uh, I was on a plane in 2005 during that game, I think. Um, but there's a, there's a funny thing about Tony Bennett, like emphasizing how he likes to play these games, likes to give a shot to the. You know, I love that. I love that the quote. And, and, like, I think it was I think it was an anonymous eagle that pointed out, like Tony, you actually don't do it that often. You're kind of BSing us, but nonetheless, like shout out to them for doing it. I I I love the way JT3 used to schedule with random home and homes with random mid majors. Great opportunity. I think it's great for the, the, the major conference team too. Um, so I'm glad he did it. I mean, it gives a little bit of brightness on a Tuesday night. It is, yes. And um, Anonymous Eagle, another SB Nation, uh, Big East blog, I thought they did a great job of, you know, Bennett just made a comment, and all of a sudden all the UVA reporters were just, oh, this guy, look, this guy's great. And then they <laughs> they swooped in because he took a shot at Marquette, basically, and pointed out that they have not exactly been writing that wrong that him and his father had I guess, 30 plus years ago. So good job by our SB Nation family over there at Anonymous Eagle. So John, your Hoyas, four and four. Last night, probably obviously their best their best performance of the season. They, you know, they got 100 points. Caden Rice was the Caden Rice that everybody wants to see. Well, I'd say even more so. I can't expect 10 three-pointers every game. Um, have you been going to the games? And if you had, what did you think about last night? Oof. Um, where do you even go from here? Um, the start of baby to, to the question <laughs> to the question of have I been going to the games? The answer is uh, actually not really. Um, I I am still I'm still a season ticket holder. Um, okay. Maybe against my better judgment, I don't know. It was a real coin flip, honestly, this year. Um, I have only been to the Dartmouth game. Um, that makes so you and about like four thousand mm-hmm. students. Yeah, no, I, hey, now let's, I, I mean, I don't want to go this direction right now, but let's not entirely blame this on the students. In fact, let's not even blame No, them. no, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to say the students were incredible that game. 
They were actually, yeah. No, yeah. I mean, it, it, that does speak to like when you do make a concerted effort to to turn out students and you have the opportunity, like yeah, you you absolutely can. Um, they were honestly driving that crowd, to be honest. Um, yeah, but that, my point is that there are like four thousand, five thousand, six thousand grown ass adults like me who are making the choice not to go. And honestly, probably can't blame them. I mean, let's let's, let's be honest there. So I haven't been going to games since the Dartmouth game. Um, it's, I mean, it, it's tough. Like I, I am going to as a as my party line here. I am going to stick to what I tweeted prior to the season that the best way to view this season is as a proverbial year one. Um, you know, the, the you know, sort of the beginning of a rebuilding process at a college program. Um, we are starting roughly from scratch. Um, and that related to that, it's not important why you find yourself in a year one right now. And Patrick Ewing's was it four fifty, fourth season, fifth season? I'm losing track Five. already. Five, yeah, fifth season. Not important why you find yourself in a year one right now, but what's going to determine what the future of probably Patrick Ewing as coach or the future of this program is, can you take a promising but very, very green and probably not ready yet group of freshmen and them to improve over the course of the year? And I said, game to game, I have no idea what to expect from this group. I Full disclosure, I didn't put a, a, an actual number on the record that I did last year. I undershot last year's regular season total by a little bit. I thought the team on paper looked pretty pretty bleak going into last year. I would have made the same assessment this year. I think they looked pretty bleak going into this year. I think it's largely been buried out so far. But that's not so much the point is, what are they going to look like a month from now, two months from now? To be honest with you, what are they going to look like two days from now when they play Syracuse? Have you shown any improvement since the South Carolina game last week, since what happened in Anaheim? Um, that's kind of the measuring stick I'm looking at. Like postseason, like that was never, uh, that's never going to be a thing. Um, I, I mean, I'd love to come back on the pod in March. Like I do every, feels like every three months and say I was wrong. But um, what matters is less what the specific record is at the end of the year to me. It's, did they make any kind of progress building a foundation with this class? Um, so I, 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 I would just, say it. I don't know. I would say it this year. I would take offered now. <clears throat> and I know last year, I think during the beginning of the pandemic, uh, which ended up working out, right? I said I wanted to play Friday night at the Big East tournament. And uh, I'd be cool finishing last if I meant semis on Friday. And obviously they ended up playing on Saturday even and winning. But what what if I gave you this? There's five freshmen that came in, all with varying levels of promise and hope. I would rather have five freshmen turning into five sophomores, and I would take fewer than five Big East wins if that meant five players were coming back. How about that? Well, I mean, after I've laid my cards out here and I said I don't really care too much about the record as much as I do whether – the, the younger players develop, whether they show some, you know, just, just, just improvement across the board. I want the team to look better in yeah. March yeah. than they did, than they do right now. One of the things that I think maybe for me, I, mean, I don't know how everybody else you know, individually felt about the South Carolina game, but 
one of the things that really disappointed me in that game was, you know, okay, your first big test touchdown at war this season. You played three lower-level opponents. Then you go out to Anaheim. You play San Diego State. It's kind of a mid-tier. They're kind of in the 40-ish, 10-palm range probably at this point. Um, you know, you're, you're with them for a while, go down big, kind of come close, eh, it gets away from you. And you have honestly a pretty disappointing game against the not very good St. Joe's team. Okay, so you failed the first test. Let's go back, get, you know, a, a, a lower-level opponent against Longwood under the belt. Let's see what happens against South Carolina. On the road, another test. South Carolina's not a great SEC team, but it's on the road, whatever. And that game was an even worse side. And so, to me, what disappointed me was just you, you were not seeing any progression. I think it's fair. I thought it would be fair the way the schedule laid out to kind of judge this team four times, like after every significant game in the non-con. You had three warm-up games the two in Anaheim and then kind of alternating warm-up game and, and bigger opponent. Um, I, I, I'm not seeing the progression yet. Now, what I will say is last night's game, I think, was the first time this season where a game played out in terms of the result and also how you were able to integrate players into the lineup and work lineups around and minutes around. It was the first time this year the game worked out about exactly as you wanted. So in that sense, it's a positive. Right, you were, you got ahead with the starters by enough of a margin in the first half that you brought in the mostly freshman lineup. It kind of flopped at first, and you lost the lead, but it wasn't a huge thing, right? Built the lead back up a little before halftime. Second half, the breeze, and you started integrating a lot. I think the players, especially the freshmen, got a chance to go a little bit on the court for the first time, like with a little bit more of a leash and a bigger lead, like. You got a lot of minutes from Ryan Matumbo. You got a decent amount of minutes from Tyler Beard and Jordan Riley that they hadn't been getting. Um, so in that sense, it's a positive. That's something that you can build on. Now, the question is, you're going to play a decent team this weekend who's going to present a particular unique defensive challenge as Syracuse does. Have you improved anything? You know, can you defend an ACC-level team? Um, can you score against a gimmicky defense? We will see. Um, so that's 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 the big step. Yeah, and look, we don't we don't get paid millions of dollars to figure out these problems. But I think, and I want to go back to attendance at some point. I want to go back to well, more just where they play, and just let you know my new my latest idea. But in staying with the the development and seeing what what improvements are happening. It is sort of a tricky game that Patrick has to play, right? Because what a lot of what we saw last night and what we didn't see at South Carolina was the production from guys that won't be here next year, right? So, you know, sticking with Caden Rice in South Carolina, I was surprised that he struggled so much. He went back home, all that stuff. But then it's like, Patrick's sticking with him. You know, I mean, he obviously he got him to come here. He assumed Trey King would be part of the team as well. But those those would have been two guys that don't necessarily help you going forward, which is what I think. And I know the players don't feel this way. So if you're a player and you're listening and you're, you know, hey, shut up, screw you, whatever. I, I get that. But you, you, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's interesting, like, how long – because we, we've seen enough of Caden Rice to know that there's some nights where he just doesn't have it. Like, he can go 10 for 12, which is incredible, but he was 0 for 8 from deep in the last game, right? And so you wonder at some point in, during the season as we go for, for, as we go forward, 
will Patrick say, hey, you know what? Caden doesn't have it tonight. This is more of a Jordan Riley game, right? Or this is more, more we're going to do some different lineups. Tyler Beard's going to play more. Or we're going to, you know, whatever. And do you think we're ever going to get to that point? Or do you think this is a very, look, Kerry and Rice are going to play regardless because it, while it's about developing and getting better for next year, you know, those are two of your best players. I mean, like, do you, like what do you think about that idea of that decision to make? And do you think it's something he is going to make? If, if I'm being brutally honest, um, there's, there's no way to solve this puzzle right now. Right. Um, the roster is a combination of too young and not talented enough. There is no solution here. So, to put it this way, there is no solution right now on the roster to a problem like what if Caden Rice is going to shoot over seven and you just need to bench him. Um, there is the, all the freshmen have individually have promise. Right. I do not believe yet that we are at the point where there is such a thing as a Tyler Beard game or a Jordan Riley game or a Ryan Matumbo game yet, right? Um, you know, that, that, that's why games like UMBC are important. Like, you know, Ryan Matumbo, it's 15 and 11 last night. Was it the kind of 15 and 11 that's going to happen against the Big East front line? No, but he gets to explore the studio space in a game situation and gets to work on some stuff, right? That can only be helpful. I just, don't, I just don't think yet that, like, pretty much every time you've gone with or Ewing has gone with a predominantly freshman lineup, and it, it happened prominently last night against UMBC in the first half, happened against Dartmouth in the first game, too. Just, I'd love to see the plus minus on it. Like, it's not good. Um, we're just not quite there yet. Um, maybe in February, you know, with a little bit more experience, like, there's, there's, you saw actually a lot of the promising stuff from each of the individual, you know, freshman players last night. I, there's something that could be there on a consistent basis. I just don't think we're quite there yet. Um, there's just no way to solve the puzzle. Like, you probably, there's going to be a lot of biggest games where like, it's going to come down to like, can you get five or six three pointers from Caden Rice in the game? Like, because, you know, Carey, Don Carey's been very inconsistent this year. You know, Dante Harris seems like he's running on fumes sometimes, and it's the second week of December. Um, I would really, you really can't count on any frontline production or front court production at all on a regular basis, even when Tim comes back, I think. There's just, like I said, there's just no way to solve this puzzle right now this year. Well, right that's now. what I would say. The puzzle is not, and this will be, we can, we can go on something else. I would say that the puzzle is not this year, the puzzle. And that's why I think, I mean, I think the overall pro- problem of program is every year is independent it seems like of the one before it and that's where i think it's not necessarily like by going away from rice when you realize he doesn't have it or going away from carry making sure the freshmen you know you're never gonna make everyone happy but happier and just the idea of playing them because you know if you're gonna be here another five years you're gonna be here another couple years like those players aren't gonna help you get to where you want to get you know so i just think I don't think Patrick Ewing is in, you know, oh, if he's got to win 15 games this year. He's out of here. I don't think there's any, there's any situation remotely like that right now. So I think he does have the luxury of, you know, it's like if you're going to lose to St. Joe's, you can do it with the young guys. You know what I mean? So it'll be interesting. I have no idea if that's going to happen. But, yeah. but you're right. There, 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 is, there is no way to solve it this year. I totally agree. I just I, – I, it's a tougher problem than we make it seem like it is, right? I think everybody, everybody on a message board – wants to play the young guys and you know see what happens it's 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 a it's a cousin of the backup quarterback syndrome 
yeah, yeah, the yeah. idea that there must always be something. If the team on the court is not good, it must always be either mismanagement by the coach or there must be some other guy that provides this spark, right? And mm-hmm. the whole reality is that, like, freshmen are, are inexperienced. Like, you know, actually, Ryan Matumbo had a great comment in his uh, post-game press conference last night where he acknowledged, like, the quality of, of, of centers or front court players I'm playing against is just it's better than it was in high school. And I'm, I'm working on it. Um, you know, there's a couple, like, I can't let guys go back door on me and get dunks. Like, I'm, I, that's not acceptable. I'm, I'm working on it. Like, I'm acclimating this level. That's a normal acclimation process. Like, it's just, it's easier said than done, right? So, like, yeah, throw a bunch of freshmen in there. Well, like, sort of, you did that in the first half once you got a 15-point lead. And then, like, five minutes later, you had a two-point lead. Like, there are costs to that. And it's, at the end of the day, like, fans are going to complain when the team isn't doing well and losing, right? So it's a little difficult to say, we're going to do this thing that's better for the future for next season, even if it results in some pretty nasty results this year, because yeah. like, like, look, I mean, like, Twitter and Hoya talk ain't going to get any less mad, you know? <laughs> if, if you throw the freshman out there and lose by 15, like, they're not going to remember the minutes distribution, like, and also, I mean, like, you just, you, you never, you, you just can't know, right? You never know. Like with with transfers, with just the fleeting nature of people who at best are on a four-year cycle at a program, right? Like it's hard to say when for the future when, you know, there's a limited cycle of people that are going to necessarily be around. You never know. It's, 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 yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a tougher problem, that, that aspect of it, that we make it seem sometimes. I'm glad, though, that this game last night worked out the way it did because it gave us, gave you the freedom to do that to give the freshman minutes and allow them to like I mean, like they're, they're running some offense and they're getting some looks at like oh boy that's never going to happen in the big east but like hey that's fine like give them some time on the court you couldn't do that in some of the other games because quite frankly you weren't up by enough the starters weren't getting done so you finally got the space to do that so that's that, that's a that's a net positive so. speaking of you never know what you're going to get I think going forward, I always want to get Ryan Matumbo pre the pregame availability, like a day before. I want to get him after every game. I, I I will say that I felt a little bad because when he was, I asked him a question about just the idea of, you know, how much, I think I asked him something along the lines of, you know, did you guys take it personally, the kind of shots and dunks that South Carolina was getting? And, you know, you wanted to regroup and show better tonight. You know, I just wanted to get him to talk about it. And he ended up, if we had more time, I would have said, hey, Ryan, I wasn't specifically meeting you because he answered the question a lot of like him. You know what I mean? Like not just like the team, but he's like, I got to get better. I think you just mentioned the whole thing about I can't get like, you know, back doors and stuff. And It wasn't a question of me. I wasn't picking on him. I just meant in general because it's something I think I asked Patrick as well, you know, because you just don't usually see that kind of a, you know, just dunk after dunk performance by, you know, Georgetown's defense. But, you know, uh, Ryan answered it very well. Um, He seems like he really thinks about the question. And I think we're going to absolutely love him. I think I mentioned that when I was on with Marcus or Nolan, that, you know, guys are just going to love him. And last night after the game, it was great that a freshman came out. We're now two of them, which is awesome, right? And, man, Ryan... Let's even if he even if he's a DNP man, I want I, I want uh, Ryan to show up. Yeah, no, it's just like a really good quote and a really good dude. Um, I, it's, 
to go back to the South Carolina game, I think another thing that was demoralizing about it, just beyond the general, like it seemed like a real dud of an effort was, I think the the predominant thing that, that everyone had highlighted as to what the weakness of, of our defense was, was the, the number of open three-point shots that you would give up. Um, and so like, well, you know, at some level, like, it's, it's a big concern and there's a big structural problem that leads to it. But on one hand, it's a discrete thing. So you can intellectualize it and say, well, that discrete thing, giving up open threes, is fixable. You can work on a specific thing and try to fix it and adjust to it. Um, that wasn't the problem against South Carolina. They got their ass kicked inside and they gave up a ton of dunks. So yeah. kind of brings brings the lie to, well, there's one really big but specific thing. Well, with defense, it's sort of a, a holistic, oh, my God, this is awful kind of thing. Um, it's it's rough. Um, there's Yeah, it's just – it's it's rough in so many different ways that I just – I don't know if it's fixable. I think maybe experience from a lot of freshmen that are playing will get you a little bit of the way there, but I don't think it's structural. I just – it's – what actually confuses me is beyond the obvious structural stuff like overhelping and, and lack of communication, there's some – People have posted on Twitter some examples of plays. There's some real, like, guys will lose their man for a second or get caught on a screen and just straight up give up on a play. And guys who, I won't name any names, but really should know better than doing that. I pointed that out to somebody on Twitter the other day. Um, that's a little more troubling. Like, it just seems like sometimes there's just total breakdowns. Um, but, again, you know, hey. like I said, it's a, it's a year one, right? We will have this conversation again if I'm on the pod in January or February, and we'll talk about have they – made any kind of market improvement um has the experience of freshmen got led to anything have we you know gelled a little bit more are we communicating better on defense like is there some kind of offensive coherence you've been able to derive um we will say so this is actually a perfect moment that's happening while we're talking about georgetown basketball and kente corner right now rutgers just defeated number one purdue I forget what they're calling it now. Is it Jersey Mike's Arena? What, what's, what's the name of the rack? Oh, God, did they change it to that? God, I really hope I think it's Jersey so. Mike's Arena if it is. Oh, my gosh. I think so. But anyway. Oh, terrific. Um, well, New Jersey Hoops Haven, Jerry Carino, who is an AP voter, covers covers uh, you know Rutgers, Seton Hall. He just tweeted out Rutgers wins versus the AP top 10 since 1977 and <laughs> one of our favorite georgetown teams is on here i, the 2010 I, know, version. I, I was know. i was at Bobby. that game i think you were too as a I was was there, yeah. bus trip. so i just think it's it's just it's interesting how the universe just came together to put that tweet out while me and you were talking georgetown hoops you know looking ahead to saturday uh, something <laughs> i, I look looking no, looking at the saturday something I, I was before i was before i uh we jumped on the pod here. I was watching the end of uh, Texas Seton Hall. Got a little, there was a term we used to use on Hoya Talk back in the day called Dungeon Ball. I think the last like eight minutes would have definitely qualified as Dungeon Ball uh, in Texas Seton Hall. Texas had a humongous scoring drought. Um, but the thing that struck with me, I, I, had, I had thought about this. It looked like the atmosphere at, at, at Prudential was like, it was good. Like, lots of Seton Hall fans there. I think they still close off their upper deck, but uh, and it's a weeknight, but a very good atmosphere. Um, Texas top 10, Seton Hall's in the top 25 right now. Uh, you know that, I had to look this up, and I, I, I double-checked it. I believe the, the 2013 finale between Georgetown and Syracuse remains the last Georgetown game at Capital One that was a matchup of two ranked teams. Well, that is. That is 
nuts. That's not too surprising because I mean, even though not. Georgetown was good the next – I mean, it's surprising if you told me that in 2013. I would have said, well, that's BS, that, that, that that's going to happen. But the next year, you know, with, with Greg, you know, not being part of the team and then everything falling apart, um, it was a good team that just missed a tournament, but they were never ranked. Yep. Or if they were, it was in the beginning. But then um, the next year, they were ranked a little bit, and they haven't been ranked since the last game, you know, since the Utah game of yeah. the 2015 tournament. So, I mean, yeah, Georgetown they... hasn't been ranked in forever, so it's hard to have two ranked teams play when one of the teams right. is never ranked. Right. So, I mean, that, that's, I mean it, it makes total sense when you think about it, right? Because, you know, they've really, the 2015 season since the Big East, uh, reformed was the only time when Georgetown was ranked at any point. And they were, for a team that ended up as a four seed, they were actually ranked for a surprisingly small part of the season, like maybe a week or two in the middle, and then like once at the end, I think. Um, and it just that didn't align with any home games against ranked teams. But I know you wanted to talk about attendance. Um, and it just occurred to me, like, earlier this week when a, a friend of mine was, was asking me about the game, hey, you excited? going to the game, you excited about the game? And I was like, Ugh. Do I have to? And it, it's just a weird, it's weird to go through the week leading up to a game against Syracuse and just feel absolutely nothing. Almost to the point of like, it's going to feel like kind of a burden to go. I hate this. I hate, please listener understand. I hate to say that as somebody who's been following this team for 20 years and does appreciate the rivalry and loves the Georgetown Syracuse rivalry. It just, like, think about how we, we talk about why attendance is down, why people don't come to games anymore. Just think about, maybe we're spoiled. Like, maybe I, I was around, you know, during the height of, you know, JT3's era um, and was a season ticket holder then. And I pointed on this podcast multiple times. We once went, like, just shy of two calendar years without losing at home. Um, but imagine going, like, seven full years, seven full seasons without a matchup of two ranked teams. Like, just a, a matchup that, like, gets you really excited and interested the night before, you know? We've played ranked teams for sure, even highly ranked teams. Um, but it just, there hasn't been a game in eight years going in that would, like, have an atmosphere in and of itself that would get you excited. Well, I want to thank you for Saturday, finding, like, eh. I want to thank you for finding a depressing stat that I didn't have to look up myself. I feel like I like, I'm so into the history, I'm so into finding stuff. And it was fun last night to do the whole, you know, Caden Rice has 34 points. Where does that rank, you know, in like the recency <laughs> of high games? But usually the stats are like that. I keep the running stat of last time Georgetown was ranked and who are the other power six schools that have yeah. a longer streak. So interesting stat, um, depressing stat. But thank you for not making me be the one to find it. So thanks. So let's, 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 let's talk about attendance for a second. So my, like, my, my party line on this, is I I am aware of it. <laughs> I noticed it. I noticed the numbers. I posted about the number from the Longwood game. I don't know how to contextualize this because well, because COVID really, right? I mean, we can't ignore that. And in, in a pandemic, the past year and a half, almost two years now, um, coming back after a full season of not being able to attend games in person, I, I, I imagine there's a, a, a chunk of the population who's just decided, even especially in the winter, like like in like large in-person events, eh, that's not for me right now. Traveling on public transportation to get to a game, not for me right now. Like 
committing to a season ticket package of 15 whatever games, not not really something I want to do with either my budget or just my time right now. So it's hard for me to contextualize how much of the really big dip in attendance is some sort of comment on the team's performance and how much of it is just a, a natural consequence of, you know, the, the era that we live in. Um, and people making different choices about how they're spending their time. Um, that said, like, I had always had the number in mind. I know John Reagan posted about it, that like this, the, the Longwood game set the, the low attendance mark for the, the downtown DC area era for, for Georgetown. Um, the Actually, I, think it was, I think it was the off-campus mark. I think that includes the CAP Center. Doesn't include the CAP Center. Okay. So I always had, there was the, the NIT game against Boston College, or sorry, Boston U in 05. Um, where the attendance was pretty close to the Longwood attendance, but that's a you know game that's scheduled on two days' notice, and nobody's ticket package. You have to kind of opt in. So like we'll throw that. It, one out. it was it was general admission, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Um, so the one I always had in my mind, I checked. I think this was the previous low at, at, at Cap One was the the Coppin State, you know, the infamous get in for a retweet game, like in JT 3s last year. I always had 39.96. It's 39.96. That was the attendance stuck in my head, and I was, I was sort of when you saw the shots from the Longwood game, like, oh man, they're going to threaten that record. I mean, that game was, gosh, it was like 2,700 and something. Like they blew past a record like that. Um, yeah, it was 27.32. Um, like I said, I don't know how to contextualize that, but I mean, it's not good. I think Austin Freeman summed it up really well in one of his tweets and just said, look, you know, if you take away the building staff and the players and media and whatever, it felt like 500. And it felt like 500 against Longwood. It felt like 500 last night against UMBC. I think they listed it at like 3,000 or 3,200 or something. It's bad. And my solution is you pick three games and you play them at McDonough. I don't even think one's enough. I understand that there's a lot of problems to playing to, you know, playing a Villanova style schedule, but I just don't see what anyone's getting out of nights like last night. Continue. You know, without knowing what the actual terms of our agreement with Capital One Arena are, if we're required to play a minimum, that's, that's perhaps the case. I know Eshrick seemed to have more of a, a leeway. Um, for playing McDonough games during his era. And JT3 would sprinkle uh, one or one or so, one or two in at various points. I think if you at all have the leeway, I think now is the time. Honestly, this, this season would have been the time coming out of out of COVID and being really uncertain about, you know, what your, like who was going to want to come to games. It wasn't really worth, you know, doing a bunch of stuff downtown. Like, I think you just, ro- like, I got to be honest, like there's a lot of diehard, you know, adult fans out there. I don't think any adult, even diehard fan, if you said, you know, we're going to play three, like we're going to play Longwood, American, let's say Howard at McDonough and only invite students. I, I don't think any, like even diehard adult fans going to object to that. I mean, that's just, that's, you know, a little bit of money out up the cost of the season ticket package. And honestly is, you know, I'm, I'm blowing most of that money, not going to games as it is. So like I would welcome the chance to not have to deal with, going to or not going to a Longwood game. Um, I think you can, I think that that's probably, it's another easy win too. If you have the ability to do it, if you don't have an obligation to cap one, 
do something nice for the students. Like, just do something nice. Hey, students, roll out of bed, roll out of, you know, the library, get on the hill, watch the game, be loud. Easy win. I went to a bunch of the McDonough games when I was a student. It was really fun. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, what do you think? What's your thought on if you had to pick an attendance number for Saturday and then like a ratio? I like 11,000. I like 60, I think like 60 at least Syracuse percent. Yeah, I was going to go around two to one Syracuse. Um, I want to, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I, I do have them somewhere for the attendance of Syracuse games over the years. Um, I want to say the last time you were around 13, but I think maybe like 11, 11, 11, 5 maybe. I know that they are opening the 400 level and they sold some tickets up there. Um, so that's a, that's a thing. So, so who knows? I also seem to recall there was somebody who pointed out or retweeted something that, uh, what I don't know if it's Otto's Army, whatever the, the Syracuse equivalent of Hoya Blue is, got funding from, from Syracuse to, to bring some buses down. So I assume there'll be some Syracuse students uh, there on Saturday. The hard thing with them is that their fans stick out so much. You know what I mean? They're going to wear like that bright orange. So I yeah. think to the eye, I mean, look, it's look, it's not going to be good. Okay. Like this is not <laughs> me. And you, you listen long enough. Um, I, I'm not here to sugarcoat stuff. I'm also not, not here to trash the program because I mean, I'm doing this because I like it. Okay. But um, yeah, I think that it, when you look at it, you're like, Oh my God, there's just orange everywhere. Cause you know, it, it sticks out. Gray is kind of just doesn't really stick out, you know. So maybe, maybe go title blue, but uh, yeah, nothing has gone well. I mean, if if the students can rally like they did for Dartmouth, I know that game was at two. Maybe that helped a little bit. I don't know. I was really impressed. I had the guys from Thompson's Talon here telling me how it was going to be great, and I was kind of like, yeah, that doesn't really sound like like it's true, but okay. And it was good. You know, I had people that hadn't been to a game yet say, "Is this what it's normally like?" And I said, ah, it used to be like this. <laughs> it used to be like this. You know, but I, I, uh, I will say, I will say, like, I was a student for four years. I knew people at Hoya Blue for a while, a little bit after that, too. If you put in an effort, you can always get students to go to the first game. You can get everybody to go to the first game. It's the second game that's the challenge. <laughs> and some of it's out of your hands. Like, if your first experience is watching us be down 22 to Dartmouth in the first half, I, you know, like the second reincarnation of Chris Grossi ain't going to fix that problem. So I'm looking right now, I've got Ticketmaster up, Georgetown, Syracuse. We've got a lot of section of the 400 level that's not available. Either they're not selling them or they're not available. It's probably the former, but people, we've seen people complaining about getting tickets from Georgetown this week online. Um, People online complaining about getting tickets from Georgetown. Um, and I, I have, no, I, I looked before the season at a couple of games just to see where they were selling tickets. I have no idea what Georgetown's Ticketmaster strategy is, what they're offering, where they're offering. I have absolutely no idea. Um, so search, search me. I guess we'll find out Saturday afternoon at noon. So there, there's way. more seats there. Like, so like the end zone, um, behind Syracuse's bench. So like 424 all the way to 430. And then that's all gray. That's all unavailable. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. By the way, by the way, somebody, 
somebody pointed this out, and I can't remember which was on, a, on either casual or a Hoya talker on Twitter. Uh, it seems strange, but I actually encountered it when I was watching the end of Texas Teen Hall earlier tonight. Um, Fox, well, FS1 was showing Teen Hall, Texas, but they're doing Fox promos for the, the games they're showing this weekend. They are, they're doing promos for their basketball on Saturday, and they're, they're using the, you know, the Marquette-UCLA game at 2.30, and I think it's Illinois-Arizona at 5, totally omitting the Georgetown-Syracuse game from the promo. Like, during a Big East broadcast, by the way, like, absolutely no mention. And, like, the, the graphic at the end of the commercial says, you know, the game at 2.30, the game at 5 o'clock, zero mention of the Georgetown game. Before I actually looked up on one of my, my score apps, like, wait, is the game on Fox? And it is, but they're just totally not even mentioning it. It is, that is weird. Uh, I saw some people talking about that, and I was just hoping that it was a mistake or it was. Nope. <laughs> but, yeah. But, I, but allegedly, I think. But I mean, look, rigged, they, they didn't have to take that game. Vote. Hey, look, we rigged enough of an online vote that I think John Santa is going to be there. So there's that. You know, when, when, I, when I saw that and I I was like, I got kind of worked up. I can't believe this is a contest. But then when I realized like what like what it was for, like Big East shoot around, John Fanta. Sorry, I'm not that impressed. Um, so I, like I said, initially I was like, oh, this is crap. You know, Georgetown Syracuse is the best game of this slate. But then when I saw like what the prize was, I was like, yeah, that's not the end of the world if I, Fanta I, doesn't I, show up. I love John Fanta. Oh, a lot of people that. do. That, How that's can you great. not love John Fanta? Come on. Um, um, indifferent. So, so do, we have, do we have anything to offer here in terms of, like, thematically what we think this game is going to look like? I will acknowledge I've seen – Well, can we talk real quick? Can we talk real quick because we've had a lot of maybe not great stuff. Aminu Muhammad. We haven't talked about Aminu Muhammad. Aminu Muhammad. How – what did you – what was your best guess coming in and what have you felt – he's done that's maybe better. Cause for me, I was a little bit suspicious five-star coming to Georgetown. He's been everything that I could have hoped. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a, there's a thing I was pouring over in my head earlier about, you know, one of the differences between this year's team that has a, a large and promising freshman class and other examples of that is that, you know, like in 2011-12 with that class, you had Jason Clark, Henry Sims, Hollis Thompson. In 2014-15, you had Jabril Trollick, Mikhail Hopkins, right? You had good senior leadership to kind of carry more of the load to get somebody into a more appropriate role. I, with Mamina Muhammad's incredible motor and great talent, um, but like he's got the jet ski revved up like all the way and he's in danger of constantly like running into a hole or something like yeah it, it, i think it's like it, he's trying to do a little bit too much which is in, in natural for somebody trying to find the right level at the college game speed of the game and what you can get away with but i think part of the root of the problem there and it's not even a problem so much it's just i think he's got to carry a little bit too much of the offensive load or feels pressure to because there's just not a whole lot else offensively on the court um i would love to have seen him like on the 2015 team he gets compared so often to lj peak would have loved to have seen him like if you just dropped Aminu Muhammad and LJ Peak's role on the 2015 team, see how awesome it would have been. Um, if he just if he just slows and gets it just a little bit more under control, there's really something there. Maybe get a little tiny bit more reliable on the jump shooting and the free throw shooting, but 
you cannot argue with the motor. So just real quick, and then we'll finish up talking about Syracuse. It's early. We're eight games in. Aminu is leading the team in rebounding. Okay. Obviously, Ego FA hasn't played a lot. But, you know, even with that, he's, you know, he's at, Aminu is at 8.1. Big Tim's only played five of the first three games. He's going to miss a bunch of games. He's at 7.4. A freshman leading Georgetown in rebounding is a pretty good indication of success. So let's go through. You could probably guess them, but I'm going to tell you real quick. Oh, man. I went, I went back through 1980. Here are the freshmen that have led Georgetown in rebounding. Patrick okay. Ewing. Alonzo Mourning, Othella Harrington, Mike Sweetney, Jeff Green, Greg Monroe, and Otto Porter. Okay, like that's a list you want to be on. Okay. So, you know, when you mention the motor, I think there's a lot about rebounding that is motor, right? I think Mm -hmm. everyone can usually agree with that, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, energy usually finds the ball in basketball or ball finds energy or whatever you want to say it. And I mean, when I was, you know, in my head, I was like, I thought Greg Monroe was the last freshman. I was a little surprised that Otto led the team. It was a very close um, uh, race that year for a leading rebounder. But I mean, Otto, Greg, Jeff, Mike, Othella, Alonzo, Patrick, Aminu Muhammad, this is a really good sign, my man. And we have no control what's going to happen. Who knows? I know his guardian is very active on Twitter and seems to really be invested in everything. I think it'll just be such a big deal if this program can get at least two years out of Aminu. Now, I don't begrudge anyone for leaving for an opportunity that they need to um, at the next level, but it'll be really interesting going back to the whole idea of building towards next year, your players coming back. I think it'll be it'll it'll be really interesting if he can come back because he's shown so much in just the first eight games that we have to love. Yeah, Syracuse. What are we going to so, see from Syracuse? You know, it's funny. I've the, the times I've dropped in on Syracuse games throughout the season so far, it's been such weird times for them. Like I saw the <laughs> end of the the Colgate game, which was sort of a complete disaster fest for them. Um, looked like they had no clue how to play basketball. Um, I watched, I think, most of the end in multiple overtimes of the uh, the um, Indiana game, which was was a kind of a drudge fest. Um, but I did see, I happened to see like the very specific part of the, the game against Villanova earlier this week when Villanova was like going for their like excellence in bricks three pointers award. Um, <laughs> and Syracuse, and, and the two actually looked pretty decent, like as much decent work as Villanova was doing, you know, screening and trying to get decent looks. Like Syracuse was throwing some interesting wrinkles into it in the two three zone. They were playing some sort of hybrid looking one three one sort of thing, moving, you know, wing defenders around. Um, it's going to be fascinating because it's going to definitely present like the proverbial puzzle you have to solve. Right. Um, and we haven't exactly shown really the ability to run coherent offense, especially, you know, assisted type plays. So is there a natural candidate for somebody who can operate at the free throw line, which means somebody who can either hit a mid range jumper and or pass the ball from there. Gosh, I really don't know. I don't think um, so. Unless you unless you go Chris Wright, right? Unless you have it be Dante or maybe uh, Tyler. Weirdly, like I feel like Ryan Matumbo would be very comfortable taking the mid range shot. Um, if you were to throw a center in there and try to do that, now can you get a you know can you get a kick out pass? Can you get a dump down? Who's going to finish if your seven two centers out there dumping down? Who knows? I'm I'm fascinated. I still think something I tweeted two weeks ago. I think even before last night's explosion, like. 
I, I, I tweeted a picture of like the record, uh, the individual record in Georgetown game for number of three pointers taken. It's 16. I mean, Caden Rice, we're looking at you, buddy. Um, yeah. That guy is going to let it rip on Saturday. I have no idea if any of them are going to go in, but he is going to let it rip. Um, he's got a I tweeted something like that too, out yesterday so like, as well. I mean, I said, yeah. A 2 3 zone, unless they really extend it on him, he doesn't need much room to fire. I imagine he's going to shoot a boatload. Well, so, I, yeah. I would think you're going to see like you're going to see more of like a three-two zone, right? Possibly, possibly. Yeah, they can definitely move some stuff around to, to frustrate a specific guy. I will say, like in recent years, I don't think the Georgetown Syracuse game has really played the type, which which basically like I don't expect this to be a blowout either way. Um, like if anything, like the times in Georgetown seems like they're in crisis are the ones when they actually win. Like they won twice in JT3's last two years. Correct. They won not too long after the massive defections um, in 2018-19 season. So, and otherwise, the games are generally decently close. So I, I would expect a fairly close game, but who knows? Um, I will say it's a high leverage game. Um, you know, I understand there's a lot. The angst has quieted down in the past day or so because the UMBC game was fine, but there was a lot of angst earlier this week. And a rivalry game is a high leverage game, so you'd be advised not to lose it. Like, you know, if, if Noel and I were both on the podcast, we would, we'd have spent a solid 10 minutes talking about, like, Mario Cristobal, I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> like, I, I, you know, to, to put it in blunt terms, like, I, pretty much the reason that both Blake James, the athletic director, and Manny Diaz got fired was they lost to Florida State. Um, they'd started the season two and four, um, one looking good, but they finished five and one. Problem is that one was Florida State, and you blew the end of the game, and that's the week the AD got fired, and I'm convinced that's when Manny Diaz was no longer going to have a job. So you'd be advised, don't crap the bat on Saturday, um, because that's potentially a deal breaker, I think. Yeah, um, I think you can. I, I think, think you, you can find again. a way for the season to look okayish if you beat Syracuse, yeah. and you just you get better as the season goes on. Yeah. There'll be a couple it's things you can like, point again, to. This isn't like any kind of vintage Syracuse team. There's no real superstar type player here. Um, this is a team that seems destined once again to be kind of a middling ACC team that gets into the tournament as an 11th seed and blows their way out to the Sweet 16 without much effort. Like just seems like it's destiny. You hope that, like, by about 145 on Saturday, you don't look up at the scoreboard, you're like, crap, Buddy Bayham has 26 points. Or, like, crap, we let, like, Joe Girard hit seven three-pointers. Um, <laughs> like, yeah. Well, you know, they've got, they've got five guys, okay, averaging double, you know, averaging at least 27 minutes. They've got five <laughs> guys in double figures. And then yeah. they have, like, nothing. I mean, this is, like, the team. This is, this is like, that team uh, when – Georgetown played Benham in a little bit, you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, they, 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 you know, you didn't keep you at a pretty slow pace with the zone. They've got a ton of length, as they always do. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Like, they, they, they handled Villanova for a half. And Villanova shot 53s, I think, 50, 5 0. Yeah. 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 I mean, we'll, we'll see. I, I'm honestly, I'm just hoping to survive it. Like, that's kind of how, that's kind of how I'm treating the season writ large. But Saturday, I will, God, I'll be there, hoping to survive it. So, seems like a good enough place to end right there, Buffy. Like we're just trying to survive it. I will. Can I, before we do go, can I can I mention one thing? Um, 
you, I know you, I have not listened to it yet. I am saving it potentially for Sunday. I know you interviewed uh, Coach Weiss on the podcast earlier this week. Um, if you are listening to this on Friday afternoon, um, you know, 8.30, Friday night, ESPNU, Georgetown versus Washington in the College Cup Final Four. If they win, if they're in the championship game, I'm driving down to Cary on Sunday. Um, if you are able to in the general mid-Atlantic region, make an effort to. I was at the Elite Eight game last weekend, one of the coolest uh, atmospheres I've been at. I, uh, the, the men's soccer team, both soccer programs really, are just complete shining examples of what happens when Georgetown gets something really right. Like just the perfect mixture of incredible coaching, a great just atmosphere and way to, to run a program and the right kind of support, both you know financial on the back end and then support from, from alumni and fans on the front end. It was really cool being there with 3,000 people at Shopfield last weekend. So um, watch it on TV if you can. If you can make it to Cary, whether Friday night or Sunday afternoon, fingers crossed, do that. Listen to Bobby's podcast. Um, but, you know, it doesn't seem like it sometimes, but Georgetown in a lot of ways can really get some stuff right. And it's really cool. And the soccer program has just been unbelievable to watch over the past decade or so. Huge athletic weekend for Georgetown. A chance yeah. to win a national championship and men's basketball takes on their rival. Oh, I, I mean, by the way, that the, the, the national championship two years ago was in the same week as the Syracuse game also, which was a win. So there could be good times ahead. Um, we're just trying to survive it. I think everyone would take it, and we are just trying to survive. Thank everyone for listening to Kente Corner. Subscribe, rate us, let me know what's going on. My DMs are open. If there's somebody you want to hear from, if there's a topic you want to get to, sorry we didn't do any Twitter questions tonight, but uh, the plan is to have more Kente Corners with more frequency, but we're just trying to survive it. I'm Bobby Bancroft. John, it was great. I'll see you next time. Take care, folks.